Panama today, and this is your host, Bill Wilbur. This is the voice of the Isthmus, HOXL Radio 760 on your AM radio dial. We're glad you're with us today. Have you had your first miracle? Well, get ready for your next miracle. A miracle is the intervention of God in the affairs of mankind, and in particular, in your affairs. And I want to bring you a message called Your Next uh, Miracle, and it is taken from 1 Kings chapter 17. So you might want to get that out, 1 Kings chapter 17, and I'll take you right into that message right now. First in the Bible, Elijah or Elisha? Elijah comes first. And I want to start in verse 1. Lord, help us to understand your word today, to change our lives and touch our lives for Jesus' sake. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse 1. Now, Elisha the Tishbite, which means he was from Tishba in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. It's probably that the Lord directed him away from Ahab after saying those words. Ahab was the husband of Jezebel. Not a happy couple. And they tore into people. They were ruthless rulers. They had people into Baal worship, into idol worship. It was a sad thing in those particular days. Now, the reason that this was such a tragic thing to do is Baal was considered the god of reproduction, but as part of that, that he was the god of rain. So what you really had Elijah do under the direction of the Lord, is cause a showdown between the God of the universe and this God Baal that they said is in charge of the rain and other reproductive acts. Now, if you look also back, just turn back to 1 Kings 8, verse 35. You'll see that one of the warnings that the Lord gave to the people of Israel in verse 35 when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because you people have sinned uh, your people have sinned against you and when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them then hear from heaven forgive their sins the point I want to make in verse 35 is that it is their sin the sin of the nation which is giving a justifiable cause that the Lord will speak through Elijah and say to King Ahab, the heavens will be shut up. You have been warned, your idolatry, you've turned from the living God, and there are consequences. He is the Lord of the rain. He is the Lord of your, he is your source. And you've turned from him, you've worshipped false gods and idols, and we want you to know that you are worshipping the wrong God. This is idolatry and it is abomination to the Lord. It's also uh, noteworthy here that the actions of the king, one person can affect a whole nation of people and other people around there. 
We see this so clearly in Kosovo. The actions of one person is affecting the lives of millions of other people. Especially when that person is in a place of leadership. So Elijah is off to a place of security. He's off. He's going to be eating bird food for the next X number of days. He doesn't know how. The ravens are going to bring him this food. Who knows what kind of shape it was when the ravens brought it there. <laughs> you know, what does a raven like that he wants to share with you? I'm not quite sure. But at any rate, he brings his food. There's water there. Now, the heavens are shut up, but it doesn't tell you for how long they will be shut up, right? Does anybody know how long the heavens were shut up and it didn't rain? Three and a half years. It tells us that in James chapter 5. It also tells us that in Luke 4, verse 25 and 26, when Jesus is telling the Jewish people there that he says, you know, Elijah went to an area and because of the idolatry and the rejection of God, the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. And so in verse 5, so he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to Kareth Ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7, Sometimes late, sometime later the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have a question for you. Is Zarephath Jewish or Gentile? Everybody say Gentile. You got it right. That's what made this so astounding in Luke chapter 4 and why the Jewish people, the leaders, after he said this to them, he said, could not Elijah have gone to any of the widows in Israel, the Jewish ones, but instead he went to a widow in Zarephath. In other words, he's saying he went to a Gentile. This Gentile woman received the word of the Lord, but the Jewish women, the Jewish nation, were rejecting it. When Jesus told them those words in Luke chapter 4, they took him and wanted to throw him off a cliff. They said he walked right through him because it wasn't his time yet to die for our sins. By the way, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, shedding his blood. Not from a heart attack, strangulation, being beat to death, or thrown over a cliff, or stoned. Because that was the way he was ordained to die, shedding his blood for our sins. So the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 9, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. There's a Gentile lady who's going to respond to the word of the Lord. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get, he said, and uh, bring me some bread, uh, please. Uh, bring me, please, a, a piece of bread. Sound like she was a waiters, waitress. And he was saying that just to point out to the fact to her that she didn't have much. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few steps, sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die, because there won't be any more after that, and we will starve. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Get rid of the fear thing here. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me. See, it's because it's not that he's selfish, but it's because he's acting as a representative of the Lord. 
He's acting as God's spokesman. And from what you have, bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord of the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry. Until the day of the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Elijah. Uh, you'll see in Second Kings that Elisha had a similar experience. Which I won't mention at this point. Because it would, might tend to confuse things here. Let me look at something here with you. This is to help us all. Your next miracle, I titled this. Because your next miracle depends on how you respond to this need for a miracle. I'm going to use the term miracle in the broad sense of the word. And that is the direct intervention of God in the affairs of your life. We have mentioned here several times today. I thank God for this. I thank God for this. I know God helped me here. Those are interventions of the Spirit of God, the working of God, the sovereignty of God, the counsel of God in my situation. If it not, had not been for the Lord, then I would not have seen this. I would have not recognized those results. I prayed there was this need. God intervened. It, he may not have intervened in the way I thought he was going to intervene, but he intervened. And I've seen the results. Now, I'm not asking you to raise hands at this moment. But how many of you need an intervention of God in your affairs today? I'm not saying there's a crisis in your home. There's a crisis in the future. I'm just saying that you have been praying about some things and you have some needs in your life right now. And you're saying, I really would like to know the mind of God in this thing. I really want the Lord to orchestrate these events. I really need to see God do something here. How many of you fit into that category? I do too. So what we want to look at here is how the woman invited God to work into her situation. She was already receptive to the word of the Lord. Didn't understand it, but the Lord told Elijah ahead of time that something was going to happen here. When we read this, there is a focus of our eyes on the woman and the miracle and how she was sustained. I want to deal with that for a moment, but I also want you to see that something else was happening in Elijah's life at the same time. The scripture tells us he was flesh and blood like us. But because he believed God, God did some incredible things. So these are real people in the Bible. You have more going for you than that widow of Zarephath. Because you have the whole Bible. You have the witness of, of radio and television and cassettes and testimonies of believers. You have multiple translations. You have a whole flock of books to choose from you have far more testimony and support and yet this woman was in a desperate need and I believe that's one of the things that we first have to come to is realize that our need is desperate that unless the Lord answers that and directs us and supplies that need that answer it won't be there and so and the girl with the contact lens 
See, if if I mean she was totally dependent upon God. She she was beyond any resources up on that cliff, losing that contact lens. And so she cries out to God in the situation. And the answer was something that really only God could have orchestrated. And she knew it was God that did it. An ant carrying her contact lens. I mean, somebody else would, you know, it could have been sitting on that rock, but somebody would have just walked right past it. But you're climbing your way up. You know, you see these cutter ants around here in Panama? Sometimes you don't see the ant. You see this big leaf going along like this. What is that? Why is that leaf moving? You see this thing's going along, you know. Sometimes you see half of a roach that's dead, you know. And this this thing's moving across the ground. You say, what is doing this? See this little army of ants carrying this roach right along. And that's what caught the person's eye. And and God has his hand in here. So we invite God to work with his unlimited power in our limited circumstance and resource. You're inviting the unlimited power of God. Okay, I want to give you these three points here. First of all, that God is your source. God, always go to God. If you're running to another source, God is your source. The U.S. government, money, the dollar, is not your source. It is not your source. Many people have made it their source, and when the stock market fluctuates, their, their heart fluctuates. People jump out of windows. People die, commit suicide. They do horrible things. Because their trust is in something other than God. Okay? He'll get the glory. Okay? That, ver- that bin of flour was not used up. She kept dipping into that. You know when, it, when, the, when the miracle ran out? was when the drought ended. When she didn't need it anymore. She had to go back to work then. <laughs> Son said, oh no, here comes the droughts ending. Rain's coming. Guess we got to plant and harvest again like the good old days. But for three years, they ate kind of a limited diet, but they had enough. Okay, the second thing is that you give something out of your need. Now, this takes a little bit to meditate. I was thinking about this this morning, and I thought, most of these people here this morning are not in a situation where they have a little bit of flour and water left. And so how do we translate what this is saying into what I am facing at this point? What was her need? Her need was food. It was a physical need. It was a survival need. So what is it that you need in your situation today? Is it, if it's faith you need, is it finances? Is it guidance, direction? Are you lonely? Are you discouraged? Do you need forgiveness? See, whatever the need is, the principle here, get this, See, the whole principle is of the sowing and reaping. The sowing and the reaping principle is not just about sin. You know, what you sow, you reap. That's true. But in the positive way, too. What you sow spiritually, you reap spiritually. What you sow in the kingdom of God, you reap in the kingdom of God. You see that principle? And, and Jesus told us, uh, uh, the word of God, I should say, uh, Paul tells us, that that is the way that we need to give as we tithe. And I want to encourage you in this church, wherever you go, don't stop tithing. If you haven't started tithing, do it. Give out of your need. You make a dollar, give 10 cents. Because God wants to see how faithful you are with what you have. See? Why should he trust you with $2 
when the one dollar you grab for yourself. See? The principle is there all through the scripture. And you need to do that. You need to tithe, not because God gives, needs the money. It's because you need to honor God with what he has given you in the first place. And to whom more has already has, more will be given. Why? Because you're a good steward and you're faithful in what God has given you. He'll trust you with more. See, there's the principle there. And it goes back to this thing with the flower. Because if she took what little she had and she turned to the Lord first. She gave out of her need. Her need was food. See? And food is what she gave. Her need was food. She didn't go to Elijah and bring out a machete. See? Or a stick of furniture. Or a new tunic. Because the other one's worn out. Because he'd been by the river Kareth for a while. And so on. See? Her need is that which she gave. So, you need forgiveness. You need to forgive. You're lonely. There are other people that are lonely. And you can sow into their lives and be a friend to them. You can help them in their need. You have a financial need. Find somebody else with a financial need and sow into that. Help meet that need. You're following this principle. You see, if you're discouraged or you're depressed, that's the time you need to pray for those who are discouraged and those who are depressed. Your focus is not on my needs. That's not sowing. Your focus is on praying and pouring in to the life of another person out of your own need. Is it, are you in a bad physical condition? Well, then you pray for other people who have a physical need. See, because now you understand it better. Are you following this? And, it, and you, fit, you fit this into wherever you are, in whatever your situation is, and which leads us num to number three, that the woman gave first, and then her need was met. You go to God first, you give out of your needs, and you give first. Now, let me pull this thing together. In chapter 18, if you want to be sneaky, you can look over there. But in chapter 18 comes the famous story of Elijah challenging the priests of Baal on Mount Carmel. Now, what that challenge was all about is what happened back in chapter 17. Is that Elijah got a word from the Lord. Get this thing now. He got a word from the Lord to go and tell the king, because of your idolatry, because you've turned from the Lord, and you think your God is the God of rain, we have a word for you. Your God is not the God of rain. Our God is. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the rain. He's the God of Israel. He's the Lord God of Israel. Now get this straight, king. You've turned to idolatry, and you say, good old Baal is the God of rain. He ain't. <laughs> That's Spanish. <laughs> he, he's not the one in charge. And just so you have this clear, the heavens are going to be shut up until I say so. Now, he wasn't saying that out of pride. In other words, until the Lord gives me another word on this situation, the heavens are shut up. So, 
We don't have chapter 18 yet. We have the rest of chapter 17. What happened in the rest of chapter 17? God led him to the, to the brook. God fed him from a brook, told dried up, and from birds. God was his source. God told him where to go for the next feeding program. And this isn't only for yourself, Elijah. You're going to help a widow and a son who, even though it's in a Gentile nation, they believe in me. And so he did that, and he saw the miracle too. You got this? The woman had the miracle. The boy had the miracle happening in their house. But they saw it too. I mean, Elijah saw it too. Now his faith is pumped. See? And then he can move on to chapter 18. There's the showdown. You'll have to read that to see how dramatic that was. But what basically happened is the priests of Baal couldn't get their God to ignite the, the offering. And, and uh, Elijah, when it came his time, after they had done it for hours, he said, put the sacrifice there, put all this water on it, fill the trough with water. There's no way anybody's going to light a piece of flint or bring a little match and do this thing. And then God zaps this thing from heaven and explodes the whole thing, drives the water up in the ditch and the whole deal, and they say, whoa, now we know. Who is God in this situation? Your first miracle is seeing the Lord work in some, what might look to you like a little way in your life. Oh, I don't have much of a testimony. I was saved at an early age. Are you still living for God? Yes. How old are you? 45. That's a pretty good testimony in this day and age. To give your life to Jesus at an early age and you're still living for God 45 years later? Wouldn't you say that's a pretty powerful testimony? Say, oh, well, I did this and I did that. And, uh, uh, and then one day somebody told me about Jesus and I received Christ as my Savior and I know my sins are gone. I'm going to heaven. That's a pretty good miracle. You weren't going to heaven. Now you're going to heaven. Do you understand? Some people say, oh, that's just a salvation testimony. Or, or that's just when I gave my life to Jesus. I want to see God work now. Hey, that's a pretty powerful thing. If God worked in that day and age, he can work in this day and age, in this situation, right? Do you have some situation in which God has worked in your life? Yes or no? God wants to take you on to the next miracle. How many of you have a feeling it might be just a little bit bigger than the one before? That's called step by step. See? And so it's important that you see the principle of God's miracles. In other words, God's intervention in your life. The basic principle is you go to God. Not Dr. Spock. See? He was a doctor that told you how to run your family and raise your kids and all this stuff. Not a medical doctor in that sense. You go to the source of the, of the universe, and that's God himself. And you, secondly, you give out of your need, and you act first. And that's the act of faith. And those are the criteria for a miracle. You have a need, and you go to God with it. Any miracle without God in it is not a miracle. Understand? You've worked it out. Social Security has worked it out. The government's worked it out. And then you're going to get the credit, and they're going to take the credit. 
But when it's something that you ask God to work out and he works it out, he gets the glory from it. Now you can go on to the next thing. And you see, you pretty much go through the whole thing all over again. You recognize the need. What was your need when you were not a Christian? To have your sins forgiven for salvation. That was your need. Can you answer that need? Can your buddy answer that need? Can the church answer that need? No, only God can answer that need. And you found out it's real. Now you go on to the next thing. God wants to teach you the next thing. He's not going to keep you this thing round and round and round doing the salvation thing over and over and over again. Not that it's not valuable, not that it's the intervention of God, but God wants to show you how he can intervene in other areas of your life. And every time he intervenes, you have a testimony. Because you've gone through that test. Here's my need. I go to my source. I give out of my need. And I take the first action in giving. So what is your need today? See, it's so easy to see this, uh, this story of the woman here. And how God met her need. You say, oh, God's great. God. But what is your need? Because if you miss this, that it's just financial or just food, you're going to miss this. Because Paul said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Re quoting the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You see, the whole nature of the kingdom of God works on something coming out of nothing. Right? Genesis 1. In the beginning was God. Was God, no universe. Out of this, God speaks and things happen. You see, out of one person... The Son of God on the cross comes the church of Jesus Christ. See? Out of your sinful life comes the rebirth, salvation. Where's the source of all this? God is. What's the source of the need to be met? Now, it's God and God alone. Look any place else, you're going to be disappointed. Look any place else, and it's only temporary. Look any place else, and wherever you looked, that's going to get the glory. And Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you look someplace else and you got some type of temporary fix for your problem, God is not pleased with that. See? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. If your faith was in the government to make, meet that need, that did not please God. I'm not saying the government couldn't be a means to meet that need. But your faith ultimately was in God. And if God used the government or a friend or a foreigner or a raven to meet the need. How he does it is secondary. The fact is that he does it. And that's where your faith is.